thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. So Paul Esterhosen is the founder of My School and the CEO of School Days, which is an education rewards incentives program. And uh, he's written an interesting article or opinion piece where he's focused on some of the trends uh, and some of the issues likely to impact the education sector in 2024. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, good morning, Michelle. You left your phone at home. Yeah. <laughs> That's an unplug. That's an uncouple. I'm busy reading a book called Human Being, and it's about how we need to reclaim the 12 vital skills that we're losing to technology. And sometimes leaving the phone behind um, enables us to have more conversation, more focus. Um, I love the the story you tell of parents giving you books for reading. And yeah, part of my my opinion piece at the moment is where are we at in our education system? So so just briefly, what are the 12 things? You don't have to give all 12, but um, if we talk about uncoupling, what are the things that they are saying that we need to uncouple ourselves from? Cell phones being one of them. Well, it's not, it's not really about uncoupling, but it's more about saying we have such a dependency mm. on what we're doing with technology, the way we move, the way we navigate, um, our own physical motion in our bodies, uh, the conversation, solitude. Mm. We don't have solitude anymore because no. when we have a moment of quiet, we're, we're connected. So we, we, we actually don't even go for a walk without a cell phone in our pocket. Reading, writing, art, craft. We're not using our hands. We're not being creative. Memory goes out the window because I don't have to remember it. I've got it in my phone. Yeah, I've got it on my tablet. Dreams. We, we our brains are so active and wired, and our inward thought and time. Yeah. So, it's a wonderful read. What um, is the book and, called? And it's called Human Being. It was released in September by Graham Lee. Okay, I'm going to definitely um, look that up. It looks. It sounds like just the yeah. kind of book. Human being. Human being as what we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Paul, I mean, it's it's interesting because when I told one of our producers that I'd left my phone at home, the look of horror on her face was quite <laughs> quite something to behold. And it made me realize just how much we we have relied on it. But what it also made me think about was um how we've 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 aligned ourselves to not having a cell phone and fear, if that makes any sense. So particularly yes. in this country, if you don't have a cell phone with you and you're traveling, you feel anxious, you feel fearful sometimes. And yeah. I thought that was, I thought that that was kind of interesting, uh, you know, just to, an interesting th thing to think about with regards to that. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, the marvel of technology has been so good, but at the same time, like you're saying, it, it dominates everything that we do. And we're not those human beings that, uh, you know, I think God calls us to be. It's a wonderful time of season yeah. for holiday. But take a walk in the malls, go and sit in the restaurants, and every person's clutching a mobile mm. smartphone. I don't know why mm. they call it smart. Yeah, <laughs> might be making us a little more stupid as well. Talking yeah, of growing you and I know how smart. to digress. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm the worst. But let me tell you, I'm the queen <laughs> of digression. Paul, talking about um, growing smarter, you, you are looking at um, the, the, the education system for next year. And one of the things that I noted in, in what you said was that 
even though you said that the budget allocation um, for education grew by 5.7% in 23-24. So that would be this year. And obviously next year may be different. But 5.7 is nothing. 5.7 is actually CPI. So it didn't increase at all. Correct. It's, It's barely keeping up. And then what we've had is National Treasury at interim budgets have come and cut the budget allocation to our schools in the government sector. Mm. Our public schools, um, I heard a scary story um, of a a local school near where I live where um, they've always prided themselves on having more than enough teachers so that they can keep the numbers in the classroom low and they can deliver on the curriculum and have enough teachers. They've got 45 children in a class. So when when we're seeing budget cuts like this and there's a squeeze on the financials, there's other commentary that says education spend is wasteful because they don't allocate it and get it into the right places. And then immediately people think, oh, there's still pit latrines in schools. And I'm saying, no, it's not only that. It's books. It's delivery of curriculum. It's upskilling of teachers. We need to apply the money in the budgets. There is adequate money. But if you're wasteful in it, then the budget goes out the window. And one of the big trends that for me is so disturbing is that, you know, the moral conscience when when you put your child into a school and you have a commitment to support that school and its infrastructure and its leaders, its principals and deputies mm-hmm. and the teachers, you ought to be getting involved. And I know life is difficult. Sometimes with the commute means I can't even get to the school. Yeah. And I'm not I don't want to generalize it, but we're seeing that up to 40% of the budget that is being assigned to collection of school fees in fee-paying schools is going out the window. Parents are not meeting their commitments to pay school fees. It's a, it's, it's not only a trend, it's it's like that mini tidal wave that's come mm. at the schools. And and then a school yeah, has I got heard no Stephen, option. I heard yeah. Stephen Hurt is talking about that on the show the other day. and and he And there was the kind of thing, well, the school would then say, well, we'll withhold the report. But legally, they're not able to do that, are they? No, they're not. It, become, it becomes this kind of, you know, push-pull. It's punitive. Uh, I, I don't want to get into the fight, yeah. but if you don't pay, and you know, in our private schools, if you don't pay the fee, the child gets a letter in class to say, you're not to come back to school tomorrow until mom and dad have paid the fees. Yeah. And all their peers look at them knowing what's going on, but knowing that that letter is potentially even coming to them because they know of the financial constraints at home mm. we're living we, we're all living with with rising costs of living that are you know and and priorities have got to come back to what we pay there's um, an excellent and how we commit th- there's an excellent book it's a fiction book um by a nigerian yeah. author i can't recall the title or even the author but um i read it this year and and one of the characters has exactly that where the parents just cannot afford to pay the fee of the school and in the end the one child just says that's it I'm not going back to school because exactly mm. what you said of the humility of having to go to school and you know and parents need to remember what that could be for their children as hard as it is for them as well to find the money uh, Paul I'm going to go to a break but when I come back from the break I want to talk to you about what you were talking about the aging teacher population now that's something very disturbing <laughs> given yeah. the fact that there's such high unemployment amongst our youth so we'll go to that in a moment thanks okay Thought leaders, storytellers and griots, sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. 
We're chatting to Paul Esterhuizen about so many things, but uh, he is the founder of my school and the CEO of School Days, which is an education rewards incentive program. Specifically, we're looking at a story which uh, Paul wrote an opinion piece focusing on uh, the top trends. I don't want to say top trends because that sounds like something really cool and exciting, but some of the mm. trends that we're likely to see impact the education sector in 24. Well, one of the things uh, that we are th- thinking about is this idea of an aging teacher population. How is that happening? Well, what we've seen through the years, and it's it's a fact, it's been written about, that we know that in the next five to six years, um, an, a significant number of our teachers are over the age of 50 and are approaching their retirement years. And it's been steadily getting there for the last decade. And the question it begets, we know this is not just a trend, but they are retiring. These teachers who've been in the system for so long, it then says to us, what are we doing to attract top students to have a career in teaching, to want to be teachers firstly, and then to know that they've got a career path that's mapped out? Because if you go into the corporate world and you're a good worker and you and you upskill yourself and you perform for a company, they reward you. They rapidly promote you. In the education world, being a teacher, starting at the bottom level and then progressing through and wanting to become a a head of grade, a head of department, uh, wanting to become a deputy, it's a very slong career process. And there's very little scope to reward and incentivize teachers. So we're seeing the trend. We're losing a lot of teachers. The question it begets is, are we finding, and the answer is no, are we finding and attracting top students at schools to say to them there's a career path in teaching. So for us, that's one of the concerns that we're not addressing it. Uh, one of our, in our school days world, one of the directions we're going in is to want to in, get companies to recognize that they can take some of their skills development levy cash, put it into an education time pool, which enables us to find and attract top students with yeah. good marks, have a cap- capability and competence to give them bursaries and say, come on, let's teach. Education is the cornerstone of this country. And we've got so many people who are talking about it. Stellenbosch University did the quantitative research and deep dive, and they published the papers over the last 14 months about how the system is failing. Mm. When we have, we, we've got all this excitement of end of year, teachers are now on holiday taking a big, oh, thank goodness we can take a break. Are we waiting on matric results? Um, we're waiting on a whole new world for more than a million kids who will be going to grade one. And then what does our 30 years, and we're just putting that peg in the ground because 30 years ago, we all know what happened, 1994. Mm. We had this new wave of we're going to have reconciliation as a reality in this country. And we've done so well as the people of this country. But our education system seems to have just lagged and not delivered. For every 100 kids who goes to grade one next year, what does the next 18 years for them look like? And, Stats and will show out, you. Of, out of those next 100 years, isn't it something only like 12 who are going to come through at the other end? Or through tertiary well, education, tertiary education? Yeah. So 14 of those learners, when they've written a matric exam and passed, only 14 of those 100 will actually have a university entrance qualification from their matric. Only 14. And... Mm. Truth be told, only six of those will end up with an undergraduate degree 
in a six-year time frame because they may not study immediately. And th- then are we, are we producing enough uh, professional people, doctors, scientists, engineers? Um, are, are we getting enough teachers into the world? Are we getting architects? Are we producing enough skilled people who've been well-educated? If I cannot read by the age of 10 for meaning, I can read it and pronounce it because I can see the word and formulate some kind of pronunciation of it. But if I cannot read and understand what I'm reading, my my daughter and her husband, um, they often tell us about their two young boys who are eight going nine and the other one's 11. And they'll wake up uh, the two youngsters in the morning and they're not nerdy. They're big on sport. They play every single sport. But the two boys will be sitting in their little reading chairs wolfing away at books they don't go wake mom and dad and want to go and play tv games they they do want to but they actually have books in their lives so if we don't get these kids taught at an early age to be able to read we have a deficiency for the rest of their learning careers from grade four right through they're not going to get to matric half Mm. you know it's interesting if you look at those numbers so you start with 100 and then you say well um 14 will possibly go to tertiary education and of Mm -hmm. those six will pass. So that's 6% of the 100. But what's interesting is the other um, 86%. And what are we doing for that 86%? So if I end um, uh, in matric and I decide, you know what, I don't want to go to university. It's not something that interests me. But we are constantly told by our parents and by... um, by the world and by media, that tertiary education is the only way you're going to get it or make it or make money in the world. But there are youngsters who leave school who are just natural entrepreneurs. There are youngsters who may be far better at doing other more um, operational, physical stuff. I mean, I can only think of plumbers and builders and and carpenters and all of those things uh, because I've just had carpenters in my home. But it's like, what... What are we doing to promote and to sell that? Well, here's the reality. Yes, you do not need a tertiary degree. You don't have to study further. But what you do need to know is that when you get to your matric year, you're going to write the exam and not have as your goal a 40% benchmark. When I get to matric, if I've been taught well through my 12 years of schooling, I ought to be able to sit down, have an inquiring mind, because that's what education does. It's progressive. If I'm trained to read, if I'm trained to to think, and I've got some socio-emotional skill, because that's what I get in the classroom, and my teachers give that to me, they enable me to be a citizen of this country where I can contribute, because I'm not because I'm not struggling intellectually. Because, and I'm not saying you've got to turn everyone into a university candidate and get them studied and get them through, but all the of, of the fourteen students who will go to university only six of them get a degree after six years so even then they're not skilled enough to go and get the degree because they're coming out of a high school with a university entrance qualification at a standard which is reasonably low yeah and then you know the default studies go and study be a teacher and then when they did some research on the the first year teachers across three universities 50% 50% of those teachers couldn't pass primary school maths. So they're not, they're not even maths competent and they're going to be teachers. I've got a solution. <laughs> Yay! Give us the solution. What's the it's solution? Not, it's not doom and gloom. It's not doom and gloom. Artificial intelligence for me shouldn't be called artificial intelligence. It should be called 
advanced intelligence or something to this. What about supportive? What about supportive intelligence? Yes, give it a different name. But artificial yeah. immediately says, "Oh, it's fake." Yeah, <laughs> it's not fake. We've got some youngsters who came out of school in South Africa. Shannon Burke yeah. started a company not even two years ago. Just looking at the world, he's a whiz kid. Um, he started a little company called Upstack.ai. Yeah. It's an artificial intelligence platform using generative AI. Yeah. And that means explain explain you... generative to our to our listeners. Some people may not understand that with regards to artificial intelligence. Okay, so so artificial intelligence says I ask you something, and I'm also just giving you the layman kind mm. of interpretation version. I ask you something, and you tell me something. I search for it. I don't go to a library to look at an encyclopedia. Mm. I just go to Wikipedia, and I go to anything. I Google it. I mean, that's the answer to everything. And that's me just saying, prompt me and lead me. And artificial intelligence will ask me for some key things I'm looking for and then spew out within milliseconds an entire paper. An entire, and that's why we're scared of it, because mm. it, it substitutes me having to do the work. So generative AI is a different kind of formulation because it's got the back end, for example, to, be ta to take an entire curriculum that is going to be taught to children over 12 years from grade one through to matric, in all the subjects, and then it will enable, and this upstack.ai, they've built it, where a teacher could go and say, I am teaching algebra to these children at this level, and I'm, I'm wanting to create and generate my lesson plan around these key areas specific. I mm. actually put them in from the curriculum. I need to be able to teach these children, so it'll give me the work plan, it'll give me the lesson plan, it'll give me a, it'll give me a PowerPoint presentation which will enable me to be a, a teacher who's competent in saying, I know exactly how I'm going to teach this into the class. Yeah. I don't have to go back and trawl it or find my old notes. And very cleverly, can we trust it? So generative means it will generate according to how I've briefed it. Now, similarly, if I went to an advocate and I, an attorney, a legal person, and I briefed them on my situation, they would come out with all the advice. So they're generating the direction mm. I ought to be going in. So for me, one big trend is going to be that we need to find a way to embrace programs like this, but they cost money. And if you took upstack.ai into a South African school and said, we need X dollars per month per teacher who's going to use this, they say, we don't have the budget. Yeah. Now you just stop, you just stop dead in your tracks. So what have these youngsters done? They've gone to Portugal. And they've got Portuguese. They do. They now have converted this into Portuguese, and the Portuguese schools are starting to buy it. And I'm pulling them back and say, Shannon, come back here. Yeah. We want to incorporate that in what we do. In our school days world, Michelle, we know that a school year for a child is 200 days of learning. And as parents and your listeners out there, we all want our children. We all want our if, if we're guardians over children and we have we have their future ahead of us and we want things to be improved in this country, we need to get the, gen, the, the we need to get the the education system right. Professor Mark Tomlinson says it's in ruins. Acknowledge it's in ruins. Take what we have, acknowledge where we've got it, and he says now turn this thing around. And he says we need a total transformation in the systems let's let's not kid ourselves we have to rapidly go ahead and, and deliver on what we do in our school days world we've built a platform that is reaching out to corporate south africa to tell corporates reward your staff with education time points a rand is a point you can buy them 
We will store them in a vault with Standard Bank, these points, and we will ensure that those edutime points that parents accumulate and are able to use, they can only use them to pay school, college, or varsity fees. We've got 1.5 million people on the program, sure. Michelle. That's amazing. Um, we, we, we've, we've got corporate support. Diskem have said to us, we identify the need, let our shoppers come and earn their points, and we will also give them education time points. We've had the likes of Vodacom come and buy EduTime points, Standard Bank's about, new count rewards. So, so, so <laughs> okay, so I'm, I could be a parent. I go into Diskem, and they say, okay, earn your points, and then those points go into the vault of the bank and then when my kids reach a certain age, whatever that age may be, they would then get, um, they could, I could use those points to pay for their education. What about if I said, okay, I would like to, you know, we'd know of lifelong learning. I would like to go back to school and learn something further. Would I be able to get those points for myself as well? Yes, yes, absolutely. We had a teacher the other day who won um, some education time points, and she wanted to do an upskill online international course. Um, she wants to teach further, and she's she's a mature teacher. She's a retiring age, yeah. and she had won 10,000 edu time points, actually from King Edward's school. And she called me and said, Paul, can I use those 10,000 points to study an online course? And I said, education is the is the underpin of all we're doing, yes. And what we do is we don't give you the cash. We pay the so school fees directly into the school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul, we, we had a, we had a, yeah. We could, we could talk all day. Exactly, <laughs> I know. And I just wanted to say, the moment you said kids, two hundred days of the year, kids are, are learning. I started to think about that number that I've just recently seen, and I may be wrong. I hope I'm actually wrong. Yes. That we've had three hundred thirty-two days without electricity this year already. So I kind of wondered, yeah. um, not full mm. days, but uh, three hundred thirty-two days where there was interrupted. Yeah. Interrupted. And I just thought. God, I mean, you start to work that into the 200 days, and these kids are working against all odds, that's for sure. Hey? Yes, and the teachers wanting to teach yeah. and, and trying to use the tech, and you can't charge up overnight, and you can't. Um, there's hope. We've got tens of thousands of teachers who have their heart and soul in, in the education industry. We need more. We need to attract more. We need business to come in and support. Don't give me a win-a-bucky win a competition, let me win 50,000 rands worth of education time points and I can make sure that we get those teachers into the classrooms and keep them teaching. Oh, Paul, some people would love the Bucky. They could use the Bucky for sure. Paul Esterhuizen, thanks so much for joining us. He's the founder of My School and the CEO of School Days and Education Rewards Incentives Program. And I'm just thinking, I think it's a good thing at this point to really shout out to our teachers. Come on, guys. Who have been those teachers that really, as Paul says, they made your life at school. Maybe they're making your life at school. Maybe they're making your child's life at school. Give them a big shout out. Miss Greenhoff, Miss Savage. There's so many others that uh, I can think of. Certainly, uh, those are the ones in my world. But I bet you there are teachers that you just want to say, that teacher just blew my mind. They told me something that I never imagined would be the case at all.